The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Now, I don't know about you, but I need to make wiser decisions in my life. Uh, a few weeks ago, if you were at church with us, we handed out calendars to everyone. Hands up, you remember, you were here, some of you. We, four people remember that, wow. Great. Uh, we handed out calendars to everyone. Anyway, my job was the transporter of the calendar. So we had to get a few hundred calendars out to our Port Coquitlam campus. And so I loaded boxes and boxes and boxes of these nondescript boxes into the trunk of my Jeep to get them out to Port Coquitlam. Now, I parked my car in front of my house full of these boxes of calendars uh, that were donated to our church. And because um, I was moving them to the uh, Port Coquitlam campus the next morning, and I thought, you know what? I'll just park my car here on the street. It'll be all right. I have a, a, a bunch of nondescript boxes in my trunk, but it should be fine. I don't want to have to like bring all of these boxes inside and then bring them all back out into my car. I thought that was the wise thing to do. The next morning I wake up and I get in my car and I'm like, ooh, it's a little cold in here. I wonder why. I turn behind me and my back window is shattered to smithereens. Somebody stole my calendars. All because I didn't want to move the boxes in. I was parked right in front of my house. I didn't want to move them all back in. I did not choose the wise thing. Now, wisdom, there's something funny about wisdom. Like, we all want more wisdom. We can never have enough wisdom, but in the heat of the moment, when you actually have to make the decision, it is so hard to always choose the wise decision. So how do we make better choices? How do we make the right decision in the right time? When we need to know whether to propose or to break up, when we need to know whether to invest or to spend or to save, when we need to know to buy or to sell? Like, how do we know if we're making the wise decision? This is why we need wisdom. Now, wisdom is different than knowledge. It's been said that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it into a fruit salad, okay? There's a major difference between knowledge and wisdom, and it's wisdom that we need. But how does someone actually become truly wise? And how does someone actually recognize true wisdom when they see it? We are in week four of a series we're calling Eternal Life Coach here at Broadway Church, where we're going step by step through the book of James found in the New Testament. Now, James was the brother of of Jesus. And James was a pastor in the city of Jerusalem. Now nearly 2,000 years ago, shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, James's church in Jerusalem came under persecution by the Roman Empire and the church had to scatter. So James decides, I'm going to write a letter to my scattered church that, have, that is now everywhere to coach them in successful Christian living. And one of the topics that James wrote to them about was wisdom. Apparently, there were people in the church that were struggling with being pulled away from following true wisdom to following some counterfeit wisdom. So listen to how James addresses this in James chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy 
or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now James lays out these, these two types of wisdom. This true wisdom that comes from God and this ugly counterfeit wisdom. But James wasn't the first one to have this idea of, of laying out wisdom in these two kind of uh, dynamics like this. Travel back with me 900 years before James um, to the nation of Israel. This is where King David's son, King Solomon, was ruling the nation. Okay, now, if you know anything about King Solomon, King Solomon is known as one of the wisest men who ever lived. Now, a guy that wise, you would think, would write a book about all his wisdom, right? Well, he did. And I actually have a copy of his book here today. In fact, you all do. It's found right smack dab in the middle of your Bible. It's called the Book of Proverbs. Now, if you don't own a Bible, the Bible in the pew in front of you, that is our gift to you. That is now your Bible. So listen to what King Solomon describes this dynamic between uh, two opposing views of wisdom. Because remember, James is outlining these two isms, this, this true wisdom that comes from God and this ugly counterfeit wisdom that comes from the devil. Except when King Solomon lays it out, he does something ingenious. He uses a metaphor. He likens true wisdom to a lady. Maybe because for most of us, the wisest person in our life is normally our mother, okay? But he likens true wisdom to a lady. We're going to call her Lady Wisdom. Now, Lady Wisdom builds a house, prepares a feast, and invites you in to join her in successful living. But Lady Wisdom has a twin sister, and her intentions aren't as pure. We're going to call her Lady Folly. Now, Lady Folly has also invited you in to join her. She will trick and seduce you. She will offer you a life of pleasure that leads to death. Now, church, some of us sitting here today, we know Lady Wisdom all so well, right? We respect her counsel. We listen to her teachings. And her very advice guides the aspects of our successful life. But some of us here, we know Lady Folly all too well. We are tricked and seduced by her, by her quick fixes and her poor advice. And our life reflects her very leading. But there would be some of us here who have yet still to decide, and we straddle the fence. We know what it's like to follow Lady Wisdom, and we know what it's like to follow Lady Folly. But what we, what we don't know is what will happen to us if we continue to straddle the fence and follow both. So listen to how King Solomon responds to this dynamic. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 18. He says, but those who would pause to listen to Lady Folly do not know that death is their next stop, that her guests are walking cadavers. 
See, Lady Folly will promise you all the pleasures the world has to offer, but they are empty and they end in death. For those who would listen to Lady Folly, death is their next stop, and her guests are walking cadavers. Translation, they're zombies. I bet you never thought the Bible talked about zombies, right? So this is the the dynamic that James and King Solomon are both laying out before us. This is your choice. They're just using different words. They say, do you want to follow true wisdom, or do you want to be a zombie? (laughs) Do you want to be happy? Do you want to live a life that God designed you to live? And do you want to be better at making right decisions? Godly biblical wisdom can show you how. Are you ready? We're going to start by building a foundation. Where does true wisdom actually come from? Well, listen to how Lady Wisdom describes where she comes from. This is Proverbs 8.22. Lady Wisdom says this, The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity. From the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. You see, the Lord brought forth true wisdom. True wisdom does not exist outside of God's very command. As your outline says, all true wisdom, all true wisdom comes from God. James agrees with Lady Wisdom, and it's the true wisdom that he speaks of, he says, comes from heaven. James 3, verse 17, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure So reason with me, if all of this wisdom comes from God, how do we access it, right? So God's the source of all this wisdom, how do we access it? How can someone become wise? I want to walk through four biblical steps, how you can become wise. Are you ready? Thank you. Here we go, number one. Begin with an attitude of reverence towards God. Begin with an attitude of reverence towards God. Psalm 111 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. Now, don't freak out when you see that word fear. Fear of the Lord, right? When it says fear of the Lord, it's not implying that God is an angry dad with a short fuse. When it says fear of the Lord, as your outline says, fear refers to recognition and reverence. Recognition and reverence that leads to submission. This attitude of simply recognizing and being reverent of God, it simply comes from understanding who God is and who we are not. You see, God is the all-creating, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God of the universe. Only He is God and we are not. God is the creator of all things. We are a created thing. And when we recognize this and we are reverent of this, our only option is submission. Because when we have a proper attitude of reverence towards God, we have little choice but to, to embrace God's right to rule as he sees fit over everything and everyone that he has created. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity right now to do this very thing. Sometimes we wait to the end of the service to give people this choice, but I'm saying right now, where you're sitting, you can do this. 
open your arms up, open your, your, your mind up, your heart up, open yourself up to simply say to God right now, God, I submit myself to you. God, I submit myself to you. Okay. How can someone become truly wise? Well, it starts with an attitude of reverence towards God. Next, number two, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, God is the source of all wisdom, and true wisdom starts by properly aligning ourselves with God through his son, Jesus. And when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have full access. Let me say that one more time. You have full access to God's wisdom. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, in Christ himself are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As your outline says, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. We have every answer to every problem. We have every tool to every situation. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. It's given us everything we need for a godly life. And godly wisdom is just one aspect of a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here and you've never taken this next step of actually asking Jesus to be the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sins, for his Holy Spirit to come dwell within you, at the end of today's message, I am going to give you that opportunity. You can start to gear up for it right now. Okay. How can someone become truly wise? It starts with an attitude of reverence before God. And then next, begin a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And thirdly, ask in faith for wisdom. Ask in faith for wisdom. It's that simple. If you've already done steps one and two, the next step in becoming truly wise is just asking for it. Listen to what James says in James chapter one, verse five. He says, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It's been said that truly smart people, like truly smart people learn from their mistakes, right? But truly wise people learn from the mistakes of others. (laughs) But is this true? Is wisdom only gained through life experience? See, According to James, biblical wisdom doesn't come from old age or life's hard knocks. True wisdom begins with knowing and depending on God. And God is never stingy with those who would ask him for wisdom. As your outline says, God is the source of all wisdom and God is the supplier of all wisdom. All we need to do is ask in faith and he will not disappoint. Church, let me ask you, when's the last time you asked God for wisdom? Like we we pray and we ask God for provision, for health, for safety. We pray for our food. (laughs) Okay, we pray all the time, but are we spending time asking God for wisdom? Because the Bible tells us it's this simple. If we ask for it, He will grant us it. Now, these first three steps, they may seem easy enough, but there's still one more step to biblical wisdom, and this one's a little bit harder. Number four, apply God's word to your heart. Apply God's word to your heart. See, the daily intake of Scripture is one of the easiest and quickest ways of gaining godly wisdom. See, reading our Bibles and applying it to our hearts has the ability 
to change your life. Colossians chapter 3.16 says, let the message about Christ in all its fullness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Can I be uh, vulnerable with you for a moment? If you're anything like me, you have uh, struggled to daily read your Bible. Now, I only know this because I struggle to daily read my Bible. Confession time. See, sometimes I'll hit a patch of scripture that is long and long. I hit a patch of scripture where it's hard to understand. I'm like, what are they talking about? I'll hit a patch of scripture that might be dry or boring. Or I, I struggle to find the relevance to my daily life. Have you ever read Leviticus? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So if you're anything like me, you might have struggled in this area before. It seems like an easy enough task just to read your Bible every day. Just a little bit of your Bible. Read it every day. But it's proven to be much harder than it sounds. I want to tell you about a tiny passage of Scripture that unlocked something for me when it comes to this area. Now this tiny passage of Scripture, oddly enough, comes from the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is all about applying God's word to our hearts. Psalm 119 actually has 176 verses in it, and 171 of those 176 verses talk about the word of God. So it was this little verse, Psalm 119.11, that helped put everything in perspective for me. Listen to what it says here, Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, this idea of hiding God's word in my heart, it unlocked something for me. It took all this pressure off of me that I was supposed to force myself to get wiser while reading the Bible, or that reading my Bible would turn me into a spiritual giant or something. I learned that if I was faithful to put the word of God in my heart, then God would be faithful to pull it out when he saw fit. As your outline says, we are responsible for putting the word in. God is responsible for pulling the word out. See, when I can hide God's word in my heart and apply God's word to my heart, God can grant me access to wisdom that I never knew I had. Okay, let's review. Today we're talking about wisdom, what it is and what it is not. And so far, we've learned how someone can become wise. We've learned, number one, it begins with an attitude of reverence before God. And a relationship with Jesus Christ gives us everything we need for, for a successful and godly life. Next, we learned that if you want to be wise, just simply ask God in faith and He will grant you wisdom. Because He is the source of all wisdom and He is the supplier of all wisdom. And finally, we learned that applying the word of God to your heart can be one of the easiest and quickest ways to access God's wisdom. So let me just clarify one thing here before we move on. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, okay, Simon, are you trying to tell me that I have to be a devout follower of God to be a wise person? Do I have to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ to have any measure of success in my life? Well, that all depends on how you measure success. Because success before others is not necessarily a certain sign of wisdom from God. 
Okay, Simon, so how can someone recognize this true wisdom when they see it? How can someone know if they're being truly wise? Well, that's a good question to ask. And in fact, that's how James actually starts off his teaching on wisdom. Let's look again at James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? James is saying, hey, how can I even tell if someone is truly wise? And James actually goes on to answer his very own question. Let's keep reading. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. So how can someone recognize true wisdom? As your outline says, wisdom can be seen. Wisdom can be seen. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility. I want you to circle those words, show it, on, your, on the top of your outline. See, in the original Greek language that this letter was written in, the words show it are literally translated to display, to bring to light, to exhibit, or to prove. Wisdom can be seen. It can be shown. It can be proved. How? Let's keep reading. It can be shown by their good life and by deeds done in the humility. Stop. I want you to circle those two phrases, good life and by the deeds done in the humility. Okay? How can someone know if they're truly wise? Well, they're showing it by their good life and their good deeds. As your outline says, true wisdom surfaces in your life as virtue and service, as virtue and service. You see, there's this positive action that accompanies true wisdom, isn't there? The wise don't just sit around and hypothesize all day. No, the wise act justly and they live lives of virtue. The wise, they take action and in humility, they serve others. Listen to how the message translation puts it. James 3.13 says, do you want to be counted wise? To build a reputation for wisdom, here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. See, wisdom can be seen. So what does a life of virtue and service actually look like, practically speaking? We're going to jump down to James 3, verse 17 for a moment because it lists 10 practical ways that these virtues are seen. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, as we unpack these each, I want you to circle them on the top of your outline in, in the verse as we go through these. James 17. How can we know if someone is truly wise? Well, first of all, their life is pure. They live a life that is undiluted and uncompromised. Then, peace-loving. A life that has a deep sense of well-being. Considerate. A life that thinks about the needs of others before itself. Submissive. A life that is teachable and open to reason, full of mercy, a life that responds to the plight of others, full of good fruit, a life that is more than just talk, impartial, a life that is consistent and dependable, sincere, a life that is free from hypocrisy. They live a peacemaker's life, a life that unites people instead of divides people. 
And they live a life that produces a harvest of righteousness. A life that multiplies truth and wisdom all around them. So yes, wisdom can be seen. And these are just some of the attributes of a life of the truly wise. But be careful, because as your outline says, wisdom can also be counterfeited. Wisdom can also be counterfeited. Let's look at James 3, uh, verse 14. It says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. I want you to circle the words wisdom, just the word wisdom that's in quotation marks there, okay? Circle the word wisdom. Um, The word wisdom is in quotation mark because you and I both know that that wisdom is just Lady Folly prancing around in Lady Wisdom's clothes, right? This counterfeit wisdom is ugly. This counterfeit wisdom is cutthroat. It puts profits over people. It puts personal pleasure before a personal God. It submits to no authority. It seeks to only serve itself. It runs on a level of animal instinct. It thinks that the end justifies the means, and it uses others for personal gain. See, this counterfeit wisdom, it foolishly boasts in its temporal and momentary achievements. As your outline says, this counterfeit wisdom, it surfaces in your life when you try to look better than others or you try to get the better of others. When you try to look better or get the better of others. Now, this is important to to note. Do not, I repeat, Do not get sucked in by this counterfeit wisdom because from a distance, it has all the trappings of success. From a distance, it can look pretty good. I love how the psalmist writes about this by very dynamic, about this counterfeit wisdom looking pretty good from a distance. Listen to how the psalmist writes this. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Now this sounds a lot like a prayer that I've prayed, okay? that I've been whining to God about. God, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with the problems like everyone else. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? But then... But then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. See, even though at times we may envy the lifestyle of the wicked, or calling our own shots may seem nice to us, the psalmist finally realized in the end, when it was all said and done, that this type of life only produces disorder and ultimately leads to death. Proverbs 14 sums it up beautifully. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. It's like the thief on board the Titanic, who, while the ship was descending into its icy grave, was rummaging around in the rooms of millionaires, collecting bagfuls of gold and money and jewels for themselves. But all the jewels in the world could not save him, for he was on a sinking ship. 
Wisdom can be counterfeited. We can get trapped up in worldly success, but lady folly always leads to death. Okay, how can someone recognize true wisdom when they see it? Well, we've learned that wisdom can be seen, but be careful because wisdom can also be counterfeited. And that brings us to the big idea for today. You can't know true wisdom without first truly knowing God. Are you in need of some practical guidance regarding some pending decision in your life? Well, you can't know true wisdom without first truly knowing God. Do you need clarity or insight about how to handle a situation best in your life? Well, you can't know true wisdom without truly knowing God. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you already truly know God. And all you need is already within your grasp. If you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, then you already truly know God and you have full access to God's wisdom if you only ask. But if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't know true wisdom without first truly knowing God. So why not right now start a real relationship with the God of the universe right where you sit? Let me lead you in a prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes for just a moment as we invite Jesus into our hearts?